In a world where our best laid plans go astray, there are two separate but equally important groups. Those who create history with their stupidity and the shit show podcast that covers them. These are their stories. Hello! We are so excited. We just did 27 sound checks and we are positive that the mics are working. You are listening to Shit Show and Surround Sound. (laughs) It is your weekly podcast brought to you by us that features the best laid plans of mice, men, women, children, occasionally animals. It's also brought to you by our sponsor, unofficially... Ajita's Veggie Deli Crisps. We are really, really hard on our agent at the moment to make sure that the good company behind Ajita's, which I assume is also called Ajita's, <laughs> comes to the party and sponsors the show. I'm going to be so mad if they come back and they're just like, guys, we'll give you bags of chips if you call us by our real name, Ajita's. <laughs> we'll give you $5 to not mention us ever again. <laughs> we'll give you all of the chips. So, Rick has the segments this week, so we're going to dive straight into it. He's going to look at Trainwreck Trophy, and by look at, I mean speak about, because this is a podcast. It absolutely is. Trainwreck Trophy. <laughs> this is the first one. <laughs> ah, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, wow, if you could see what Rick was doing, you'd be so entertained. So, he has gone through, had a look at the internet, and come up with three... Great contenders for the Trainwreck Trophy, which goes to the uh, the most uh, spectacular disaster of the week. So what That's do you it. got, mate? So, Trainwreck number one. Or, already are, great. We are in the city of dreams, Detroit, Michigan. Oh, wow. I was going to say uh, Canberra, but no, go on. No, So the high, The highest voting same-sex marriage uh, <laughs> state in Australia. <laughs> so, Detroit. Huge drug problem. Yeah. Like I said, City of Dreams. Uh, or, city, ah, it all makes sense now. At least City of Hallucinations. Great. Rick was <laughs> so, asking some weird leading questions off air. <laughs> Go on. So this week, two undercover police officers from the 11th Precinct were about to conduct a raid on a suspected drug den at a house near Seven Mile. Okay. It's like the budget version of Eight Mile. Yeah. Which it's- <laughs> was also a ghetto, so <laughs> it's. I guess it's a a ghetto's ghetto. You can imagine... A real ghetto's ghetto. <laughs> you can imagine how shit Seven Mile is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> so, right before they go in, these these two undercover police officers, they see a couple of shady-looking guys on, on a corner. And they reckon, fuck it, at least let's get some arrests, regardless of how this raid is about to go. So they approach these two drug dealers, and then all of a sudden, there's a shotgun in their faces being Oof. aimed at them. Not because they were dressed in white New Balance shoes, Hawaiian shirts, and were 46-year-old white dudes with (laughs) moustaches saying fucking weird shit like, how do you do, fellow drug takers? (laughs) But but it was because those drug dealers were actually also undercover undercover cops. cops. Yes! From the 12th Precinct. So the cops from the 11th Precinct are ordered to get on the ground until everything is sorted. Eventually, it comes out in the wash that they are all indeed cops. Yeah. Once it's all done, they're like, (laughs) fine. They're like, fine, we've got to do this drug raid at this house like five doors down. So, because what had happened was the, the, the nearest road, the corner that they were on, was literally the border of the two precincts, which gotcha. is why they didn't realise what was going on. So, the guys are like, look, we're going to do this drug raid, feel free to join, like it's a fucking picnic <laughs> or, a, or a night out with you, or drinks with your housemates. Yeah, it, it's, it's not a house party, there's no look, plus I mean, ones. Yeah, look, man, we're going to do this raid, I mean, you can come, I guess. Yeah, okay then. Damn it, I didn't think they'd say yes. <laughs> So they they go to the door uh, and they they do the raid and once they get inside, 
words are said, and all of a sudden the cops are going the biff, just punching up in this house in front of the suspect the suspected drug mule <laughs> slash resident, <laughs> who I imagine was just fucking standing there. And I mean, how fucking weird would it be like some apparent drug dealer just standing there like, well, look, I may move 25 units of meth a week, but uh, I'm, I'm not even angry. I'm just disappointed in all of you. <laughs> look, you guys have some things that you've got to work out. I'm just going to take not, myself gonna... right outside and uh, <laughs> you guys call me when, uh, when you're done. I'll yeah. be in the car. I'll put myself in the car. I'll go wait in the car. Until you're done. You're acting like a bunch of children. <laughs> are you here to look around or are you not? What so the fuck? The police chief gets up and he's just like, this is the most embarrassing thing <laughs> that has ever happened to this department. And that is huge coming from the police chief of Detroit. Mm. Like, his whole job... Is a full train wreck. Oh yeah, twenty four seven. It's 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 real tough. It's it's a really tough city. The I remember reading the entire city went bankrupt. How does a city go bankrupt? That's insane. Well, you go to the casino, you make a couple of bad bets. You know how it goes. <laughs> Detroit put it all on black and oh, they lost, fuck. lost hard. So that's the first train wreck. It's. A, I also wonder with that how you've got two groups of cops both trying to be drug dealers. But also trying to be cops. Uh, no, no. So they're, they're not both trying to be drug dealers. So the way that it went down was that the the two who were pretending to be drug dealers were in fact doing that. It was, it was it's, it's called a push off in, in in street terms. Yeah. Uh, but the... please t- talk to me about this after your long long and hard life raised on the streets <laughs> on the streets of Destro- of, of Detroit. Your, your bre- I come your... from Seven Mile. Can't you tell from my accent? <laughs> your breakfast was eight balls and your language was street. <laughs> So that yeah, one set of cops was pretending to be was pretending to be drug dealers, but the others were pretending to be customers. Yeah, perfect. When they so they 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 double bluffed each other and they totally fingered the puppy. I so love it. That that is the first train wreck. So the second train wreck. So the other week, a real tragedy happened. Uh, if 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 anybody keeps track of these sort of things in in the U.S., where a shooting happened in a church in Texas. Yeah, it shocked the nation. I guess as as much as you can be when the number of shootings outnumbers the amount of days exactly. in the year. So a church group in Tennessee, they're all gathered at their, their place of worship for Thanksgiving, which is recently just... Uh, and while they're chatting, as you would expect, the the Texas attacks came up. Actually, it said they were gathered for Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving, I know for a fact, is not for another two weeks. So <laughs> I don't... Must have been talk, it must have been a discussion about Thanksgiving. It's a Thanksgiving planning session. It's a pre-Thanksgiving. It's, it's fine. Pranksgiving, I don't know. Anyway, so no, I feel like that's a practical joke thing. So they, the church group, are in this Tennessee church, and while they're chatting over this 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 dinner that they're having, as you would expect, the the Texas attacks come up. Yeah, someone at the dinner asks, "Well, does anyone bring a gun to our church?" Probably feeling like you know, we hope this sort of stuff doesn't happen in our church. You know, nothing sacred, etc. And this guy pops up, pipes up, and is just like, "You bet your ass." <laughs> Now, that is not a direct quote. I'm, dev- not, I'm definitely, not- I'm definitely paraphrasing it. It's just how I assume that's how it played out in my head with this guy looking like fucking Yosemite Sam. Exactly. Hands up with a turkey leg in one hand and a fucking gun in the other. Ten gallon hat. I got it. Like that's, that's just like how I assume it went down. Which is, which is unfortunately for America. Probably exactly how it it's went down. Exactly, <laughs> big red moustache and all. So, 
that that basically happens. He gets up and he's just like, basically, uh, man, I've, I've got it on me right now. And so he's just like, you know, go on. Uh, and he takes the magazine out of the chamber and passes around the gun for, for people to look at, like, fucking redneck show and tell. What the and, fuck? Yeah, he's just like, there it is, you know? And everyone's like, hmm, it's good. Like, you know, like they're admiring fucking Renoir in a, ga- yeah, in a, yeah. <laughs> a gallery. It's not a Vermeer, guys. Yeah, just give the gun back to the redneck and yeah, let's, let's be done with let, it. Let's fucking get on with the, the turkey and yams. So it makes its way around the table, and once it gets back, he puts the magazine back into the chamber. Safety was off. Oh, no! Pulls the trigger by accident. Oh, fuck. Come on. Shoots himself in the hand, shoots his wife in the abdomen. Oh, my fucking God. How many of these? How many times does this need to happen? What's the number? And and I don't want this to become a a political platform for us on this show because uh, we we are observers. We don't want to cast judgment. But at the same time, America, we're judging you pretty fucking hard. (laughs) (laughs) You you guys, as a a nation, understand there's a lot of people who are are pro-gun control. Yep. But you gotta get this together somehow. <laughs> a redneck literally passed his gun around a room, got it back, everyone had touched it and looked at it like it was an opal that like, had been brought in by a five year old. He like, shot his wife like, in the chest. Like it was someone's baby pictures. Fucking hell. They grow up so fast. What is this, a Colt 45? <laughs> Boom! It's, uh, so to recap, at a discussion about the problems surrounding a church shooting, someone shot people in a church. Oh, God. All right. Well, God. Yeah. So that <laughs> is is the crux of that. He works in mysterious ways. <laughs> he does. He does. Unfortunately, he couldn't quite nail the guy who brought the gun in. But no, nah. he's uh, he's gone. He's gone close. He he he's just gonna he's just gonna keep on keeping on. <sighs> you just gotta keep on improving the recipe. God's up there like Salt Bay, trying oh, to add yeah, different yeah, yeah. sugar and spices to everybody. He's got the oddest glass in the world. Yeah. All right, what's so the number third three, one? Rodrigo Duterte. Do you know who that is? I don't, and I'm not going to try and pronounce his name either. Yeah, good. So that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> He's the president of the Philippines. I hope that's right. I'm using your <laughs> your pronunciation. I believe you'll find it's the Philippines. Yep. So he's the president of the Philippines, and he is batshit insane. Yeah, he's the vig- he's the vigilante. He's the guy who uh, who said go out and kill people. Right. Everyone here, everyone in the world at large on the world stage is really worried about the damage that that Trump and Kim Jong Un are going to do. Yeah. This guy's <laughs> next this, level. This, this is the dude fucking flying under the radar. <laughs> He is that sketchy white dude in a group of black guys. <laughs> you know he's done some fucked up yeah. stuff to gain their respect. <laughs> That's that that is that is that is one of the best analogies you could ever make, courtesy of Dave Chappelle. But that is one hundred percent on the money because this dude is fucking ridiculous. So yeah. he's warred, he's warred, he's waged a war on drugs for the past year in the Philippines, Correct. which the UN has condemned mainly. Because police there have murdered 4,000 people and they reckon that most of the people weren't given a trial. They were just executed by, I'm not even kidding about this, ninja government forces. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, the only person here who can relate to that is the man who was raised on the streets. Yeah. One rig city. <laughs> yep. Eating eight balls for breakfast, <laughs> speaking street as my first language, my they, mother tongue. They got a jury of the people. Cocaine for lunch. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so 
that's uh, so obviously it's it's a bit of a bit of a crazy time over there in the Philippines. People just slipping in through windows because someone's had a case of the sniffles and they broke their <laughs> neck. So Duterte is chatting to Filipino expats in Vietnam this past week and starts touching upon the war on drugs and defending it. Defending it sounds like this. At the age of 16, I had already killed someone. A real person, a rumble, a stabbing, just for looking at me. That's when I was 16. What more now that I'm president? (laughs) That is the end quote. That is... I don't fucking get what the point was. That is like... That is like you asking me, Hey, Rig, are you free on Sunday? And me responding, I assaulted a goldfish when I was five. (laughs) What do you think? Like, what the fuck has it got to do with anything? No, this this guy has game theory. He's like, you know what? I will do this interview. But before any of you ask me any questions, know that I killed a guy when I was 16 <laughs> for fucking looking at me. I reckon it's like when you go to those motivational speeches and people get up there and they have to explain, if you don't know them, their credentials. So they'll be like, just to let you know, I was the, <laughs> the CEO of, of three Fortune 500 companies, yada, yada, yeah. yada. This guy goes, well, guys, uh, my name's Rodrigo. I'm the president of the Philippines. Just to let you know, I killed a guy when I was 16 for looking at me wrong. So Any questions? I, I just I just want to let that marinate. <laughs> so... That's what he's done. Later on, Duterte goes on about human rights because he's been copying it from the UN. How does he address this? By saying he would slap UN Human Rights Commissioner Agnes Calamard if she investigates him for the thousands of deaths he's reportedly responsible for. Serious questions here. (laughs) But I could never ask them because he killed a guy when he was 16 and I've got absolutely no intentions of getting in that firing I do not want any Filipino ninjas coming into my house. No. No, nah, you, you absolutely don't. Banking checks and snapping my neck. <laughs> you you wonder how how far uh, the the president of the Philippines, who is in world terms, someone's mouthy like cousin that no one really knows, who's yeah. just come into a party and has started firing from the hip. Oh yeah, he's he's got a switchblade, but also you're not sure if it's real. Like it's just one of those. <laughs> like he might be part of a theatre troupe. You just you just don't know. Whether. He might. He, 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 he could he be could, a method actor. Yeah, he could be Christian Bale. <laughs> he could be Christian Bale or a criminal. Yeah, so. but you don't want to find out because no. one of them goes really south. Yeah, the other one ends with you meeting Christian Bale. Yeah, which also goes so south. <laughs> Right, so <laughs> then he segues into what he really wants to talk about, which is, of course, hosting an international human rights summit in the Philippines. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> because, no, because he reckons that the US, Russia, and France are violating them. Pot, kettle, black. <laughs> it's not even pot, kettle, black. He's literally to... Inv- he's pooing in the kettle. Yeah. He's- <laughs> there was poo there in was the poo kettle. There was in the kettle. He is... Fucking batshit, this guy. And so a spokesman who was who uh, responding on, on behalf of the attention that this address received said, I think it was in jest, the prez uses colourful language when speaking to Filipinos overseas. Yep, just a fucking classic Seinfeld, Seinfeld routine, real tight set. Scribbling quips down on his notepad backstage, going to warm them up with killing a guy, then I hit him with the slapping a female UN official, and then knock him dead with a human rights summit proposal. This is going to be gold, can't wait till I get that Netflix special. 
I also love that he's being referred to as the, the prez, like he's the head of the local lawn bowls federation. <laughs> so I was talking to the prez. We really got to make sure that these sandwich deliveries are coming a little bit earlier. Like he's the member of a rap group. <laughs> Yo, I've got to give it up for the prez, and he's just going to get up there and drop bars. I killed a guy when I was sixteen. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, that's the three. That's the three. So, just to recap for you, mate, we had the, the City of Dreams Detroit where, where two, where two sets of cops double bluffed each other and ended up in a punch up. We had the number two train wreck, which was the church shooting that happened when discussing a church shooting. And then we had the President of the Philippines going fucking off pissed. <laughs> and just talking about how he killed a guy, how he wants to slap a woman, and then the cherry on top, which is to host a human rights summit in the Philippines. What are you giving it to? They all involve an element of violence, don't they? Uh, the the first one... Sexual and violent. I call it celebration. <laughs> it's for you. The first one is being given a bronze purely based on the fact that it is just fucking idiocy. <laughs> they are they are nothing but trumped up kids. Uh, it is a real close race from there because there is something great about a world leader who is so batshit but also leading a country that sucks so hard. <laughs> And that's the thing about the Philippines. I've been there. I was there last year. It is a very dangerous place to be if you are not from a first world country and wise. Everybody else, mostly the locals, Everyone are else in is a fucking target. peril. Yeah. So uh, you can't go past a church shooting discussing a church shooting. It's inception yes. for redneck shootings. <laughs> Love it. Congratulations to whoever that guy was for reasons which are now plainly obvious. He did not want to put his name in any of these reports. <laughs> but congratulations to you, anonymous churchgoer who shot yourself in the hand and your wife in the stomach. Play the music. Train wreck. Train wreck. Train wreck. Trophy. Trophy. Yeah, congratulations is an interesting term when you're <laughs> awarding that. But I, I said congratulations <laughs> for worse. <laughs> he gets a thing. We'll send it to him. So that brings us to he the... He won't be able to hold it, obviously. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fine. It's a series of ping pong balls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that brings us to the next segment, which is... <laughs> <laughs> Just for our listeners, that hasn't been a dropout... Gus has this every time that he's introducing the segments where he realises what segment we're in and he just stops because he's just full of disappointment, rage, sadness, disappointment. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, I had I had to say disappointment, disappointment twice, twice because it's that palpable. It's that palpable, yeah. Yeah, okay. Poo's in the news. Rig made it. It's about finding uh, news stuff that has poo in it. Yeah. If you think that's your thing, then listen. If you don't, then great. You could probably fast forward this bit. Just wait until you see that little gap and then a spike in the signal. That's where One Star Reservoir starts. Well, sounds like you're as exciting, <laughs> exciting, <laughs> as excited as I am. I can't even say it correctly. I'm that excited. So, who's the news for this week? Homegrown. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean technically that... they're all kind of homegrown. Kind of, kind of homegrown. <laughs> so, we're in Victoria. Ooh, 
neighbourhood dispute mm. turned dirty with a view bank woman finding poo smeared across her letterbox. Smeared? Smeared. Yep. Smeared across her letterbox. These That's, beers are working. That is that is commonly commonly referred to as it's smeared a, poo. Yeah, it's smeared. 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 Yes. Yeah. So there's poo smeared across her letterbox. I think across is actually probably pretty liberal in this case because she actually has one of those letterboxes where it's like the cylinder that's built into a brick wall. Oh, Do you know okay. the ones so, that yeah. so someone's actually put their hand in, in there and like they've been dragged away from a de- by a demonic force. <laughs> Have like there's like there's a smear coming back as if a hand is, they put their hand in the cylinder and it's just been dragged all the way out, and this has happened. This is this is the last in a long line of things that have been done by this this woman's neighbour. Her name is only Danny. She doesn't want to give her last name because mm. she's literally afraid. So this I said this last in a long line. The shit that her neighbours have been doing has gone on for eight years. That it has to be a great years. house. Like, because, because you'd move. The poo in the cylindrical letterbox is that's not a first time thing. That's not a well. You know what? You piss me off somewhat. I'm going straight to doing the demonic shit smear in your in your in your letter in your cylindrical letterbox. Someone's got to hate you. They have oh. to despise you to put shit in their hand, then put it yep. in a cylinder. Yep. That's fucked. Because they 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 hate you so much that they hate their hand. What their hand only is co- slightly less. Their hand is collateral, Rick. Yeah, their hand is nothing in the scheme of this hatred. Absolutely. And so, just to let you know what it was that pissed off these neighbours so much. Okay. Eight years ago. Right. We're going right back. Eight years Wind ago. Wind it back. Their neighbours had parked on technically on this woman's property. On, on grass out the front, so their lawn. Yeah, right? that's that's annoying. But she, yeah, so she's like, "Can you please move your car?" And they're like, "Yeah, whatever." And so they don't move the car. She's like, "Please, can you move the car? We want to mow the lawn." And they're like, "No." And so eventually she calls the council, and then the council gets involved, and they're just like, "We're just going to give you a fine." So they give them a fine, and then that's when shit goes off. So literally asking someone to get their car off your property. That is what fucking kick-started all this. <laughs> Over the years, her rose bushes got chopped down by these fucking people. That happens her... in every, every domestic and neighbourly dispute. Yeah. A tree gets cut down. Yeah. It's all, there's always a tree collateral. Doorbell was smashed. Mm. Beer bottles, rubbish cigarettes tossed into the front yard. Yep. And then now it's, it's poo in the letterbox. Over an eight-year-old fine. <laughs> People, if you don't know how to fucking build a bridge and get over shit, we are all, as a society, super fucked. Yeah, yeah. I'd expect this from the, the, the fucked up outer suburbs of Melbourne, but still, as humans, I'm fucking disappointed. I think, I think there's an element here, Rig, where you have to accept that there is no, hell hath no fury like Smeared poo in a cylindrical letterbox. <laughs> like a neighbour scorned. It seems to be one of the most visceral, insane things because you're forced as a human to live next to somebody. Yeah. And you can have absolutely nothing in, uh, uh, in, fuck, what a Common? Common. <laughs> Jesus. I just Fucking had a small stroke buck on up. the air. <laughs> buck up, beard shell. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> you can have nothing in common with them aside from, the fact that you live directly in proximity, 
that can be that can be totally it. It's like this story that I remember from living in a share house and uh, and finding out that these uh, these blokes were living in an all male share house. One of them said they'd been having a dispute about about the dishes, and yep. it just uh, it had gone on for a while. One of them then says, "Okay, I'm going out to get uh, to get some some food. I'm going to the chicken shop. Do you want anything?" And this guy, his housemate, goes, "Yep, uh, I'll just get a half chicken and chips, thanks." His housemate brings him back just a quarter chicken, no chips. So, so the bloke who asked for the dinner's like. Oh, <laughs> okay. Eats it. And then smeared it, it, dog blood over his door. <laughs> and puts his whole hand filled with shit inside the guy. Um, no. He, he waits till his housemate goes to bed. And then cooks his dog. <laughs> Almost. He heats up a pan of oil, carries it to the bloke's room, and dumps it on this guy while he's sleeping. What? I, I'm telling you right now, Rig. What that, the fuck? That people and their living spaces and their conditions are all kinds of fucking cray. Oh, mate, I know, I know that we're we're riffing ad hominem, but I have to bring up another story o- along this same line because I I recently had a chat to a friend of mine up in Brisbane, and she was telling me about the the this time that she was living uh, with this with this other girl and. The, the, the other girl had dated another man who lived in their apartment complex, right? Yeah. That, that's tough. Yeah. It's tough because you so, like, that's when, proximity. When, when it inevitably, when it inevitably, when it inevitably breaks down, I'm, I'm, beers, I'm, I'm, fuck, I'm doing this really poorly tonight. So when, when it inevitably breaks down, the people are still right there. Yeah. And so that's what happens, right? And then every single day for ages, this guy, fucking called the cops on them and was just like, there's a noise complaint. 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 And it kept happening. And it was just like the, the, the final straw or whatever. And this was like the girl in question, she moved out Mm. of the apartment. So it was just the, the, the girl that I know that was living in there. And so it was just her and her boyfriend. And one morning, and this only happened a few months ago, uh, it, it, it so happened that the, the police were called again and it's like 6am. She's like, what, what, what's the problem? And the cops are just like, uh, yeah, we received a call, uh, from a neighbor saying that there was screaming. We just wanted to make sure that there was, uh, no domestic abuse happening. Oh, turns out, turns out the guy that was scorned, not even kidding about this, was a fucking police dispatcher. See, that's an unfair advantage. That is an absolute yeah. abuse of power. That's fucked. Yeah, but at the same time, I think, Emotionally, people use all the tools at their disposal. He had Damn. the police dispatch at his disposal. Someone might have a full forearm filled with shit or <laughs> covered in it that just put it or straight a into fuck, a cylinder. A fucking hot fry pan, oil, and oh a stove. My God. That all is right. fucked, dude. Well, that's Poos in the News, which means that we move on to universally acclaimed award-winning segment in asterisk. <laughs> One Star Reservoir. Cue music. Yeah! I want to take you to a One Star. I wanna take you to a one star. I wanna take you to a one star, one star reservoir. Wow! Bang! One star reservoir it oh, is. Yeah. This is the segment where Rick has gone away and found uh, three reviews. They're all one star. 
They're all from I different fucking places. Hope so. Well, unless he's changed it up, and this is just going to be glowing references of a number of local establishments. <laughs> we, we we call this three star midway reviews. We've sold out hard for episode twenty six, and we're taking paid endorsements. <laughs> Surgeons Family Restaurant, <laughs> a place for you, a place for me. Uh, so, Rick, one star. What do you got, mate? I, I was. I was inspired when I was I was listening to old casts like I do because I'm super arrogant like that, and I because I like hearing the sound of of my own inane laughter, which is no, it actually causes my ears to bleed. People are like I, I really like your laugh. I'm like I don't. So stop. It's it's a it's a wonderful gift. And so I was really inspired by your Uber reviews that you did a while back yeah and so i've plunged the depths there good and I've gone through the one star reviews there and so this is this is what i've come back with okay first one one star i was in santa Ana, california looking for a guy i was supposed to pick up he lived in a large cul-de-sac with a small park in the center it happened to be later in the evening than i went when i went to pick him up I go through the cul-de-sac once pretty slowly as I can't find his house. I decided to do a second round of the cul-de-sac, and when I get a quarter of the way through, two guys emerge from the park, and one of them pulls out his pistol and asks, what the fuck are you doing in my neighbourhood? <laughs> I decide to act really calm and just let him know I'm with Uber and was unable to find a passenger and who I was looking for. He says, oh, you're looking for Dave? He's at the top of the cul-de-sac, blue house. I thanked him for his help and cancelled on my rider. Fuck that shit. <laughs> I love how it goes from the fuck you doing in my neighborhood, motherfucker. And oh, Dave, yeah, he's, he's just uh, he's just up at, up at that one there, red door, lovely guy. <laughs> Makes a mean paella. Shortly after this, the guy with the gun uh, was rolled by another set of undercover cops. <laughs> oh man, so good. So that's so that's the first one. That's the first one. Next one. Around one a.m. on a Saturday, my friend. So this is about a, a friend who's an Uber driver. Yep. Around 1am on a Saturday, my friend gets a ping that's at 200% surge near the bars. He picked up a well-dressed man who's sober, and once he's in the car, he asks to be taken to a casino. He was picked up in Dallas, and the casino is in Oklahoma. Feeling bad, he warned the guy, are you sure? That's a 70-mile trip, and you're on 200% surge. Guy says it's fine, and he's happy my buddy is getting paid. They enjoy a nice trip and have some normal talk, and once they get to the casino, my buddy ended the ride and netted himself 300 bucks. The guy then realises he doesn't have a ride home, so he makes a deal with my friend. Look, I'm going to go gamble for a few hours. If I give you 250 bucks now, will you wait? And when I come back, I'll give you another 250 bucks for waiting and then another 500 for the return trip. Ah, uh, what? Buddy agrees and takes a nap until the guy is done. Guy comes back and gives him the cash, and they head back home. During the small talk, the guy says, Look, you've been great, and you seem like a stand-up guy. I want to throw you another $500 your way if you let me suck your dick. Why did I know it was definitely going in that direction? <laughs> this dude wanted to pay my friend 500 just to suck his dick. When you ask him what happened next, he just laughs and says, well, rent was due, and if the worst way to make 500 bucks is pretending... <laughs> <laughs> well, rent was due, and if the worst way to make 500 bucks is pretending a chick is blowing you, then it's not so bad. Fresh. Hats, hats off. <laughs> <laughs> the old a mouth is a mouth routine. Oh my god, <laughs> that uh, that's brazen by that bloke to be like, all right. So uh, what what happened to you on the on the weekend, Luke? Let me tell you a story. <laughs> and at the end of it, he sucked my dick for money. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, right, so that's the second one. Third one. Not me, but a friend who also drives in my city picked up this drunk girl on a bachelorette at 8pm on a Saturday night. She was going like four blocks, but was so drunk she passed out the second she sat down. He pulls off and about 30 seconds later, she shits in her sleep. <laughs> She's wearing very short shorts, so it just kind of falls out oh, both sides. No. Being that she's passed the fuck out, he drives her to a hotel anyway, with the windows down, trying not to vomit. <laughs> when he gets there, she kind of wakes up, and in the process of getting out, manages to smear shit on his back seat, on the back of the front seat, on the inside roof, on the outside roof... On the inside roof? ...and on the door. Who are these people? <laughs> it's always fucking I... Europe... <laughs> Europe... <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is up with me tonight? So you've got you've got fucking you got fucking urine going like twenty up a twenty foot wall, and people smearing shit on ceilings. I'm like, how the fuck is this happening? I I think you were right the first time. It's always like Europe. <laughs> Europe. If you're gonna smear shit on stuff, it's always gonna be in Europe. She she says sorry, throws him twenty bucks, and disappears. Uber gives him two hundred fifty bucks to clean his car, charged to the shitter. The next day, he gets an email from Uber saying she called them all pissed off because why did she have to pay a soilage charge when she already gave him 20 bucks to get the car cleaned? Dude. Gus. Lady. Gus. (laughs) There's a photo. Oh, fuck. Yes. Oh, oh, hold on. Okay. Gia, show me. Oh, fuck! (laughs) That is... No. That is fucking everywhere. They're literally. <laughs> it looks like. It looks like oh, fucking. Man. It looks like that a is... really accurate paintball. Yeah, I can't unsee that. It's really hectic. I also think that if you're in a situation where, and I cannot believe that you have dead set lured me into a second poos in the news, you fuckhead. But <laughs> at, at the same time, if you're in a car and you manage to go. Fucking Tassie devil with your shit (laughs) inside there. It's on the roof. It's on the doors. It's on the floor. It's on the seats. It's like, what? That is a, that is the point at which you should never, ever question having to pay $250. Like, 250 is light. That it, I, it, I, I don't think that you're going to be able to get the smell out of that car exactly. for 250 bucks. You need a new fucking car. Yeah. Because if it's like someone put fucking shit in the middle of a lazy Susan and spun it with all of their <laughs> fucking energy, <laughs> like, that is just... They're going to have to send yeah. ballistics experts in there because that's just like, how did, how does that even happen? Yeah. Well, I wonder what happens if I put this in an egg be- Oh, my God! <laughs> it <is laughs> Will <everywhere>. it blend? <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it's 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 manic. I could not could not believe that that was actually the case, and that it had a photo. Had a photo, that is so great. Let that be a lesson to you, ladies. Do not ever have Mexican food or Indian food on your hen's night. Not just ladies, everyone, everyone, any any short wearing person, <laughs> <laughs> extremely short short wearing person. Yes. So that now brings us to the meteor meteor portion of the cast. It is the shit show spotlight. Gus has gone away and he has investigated a historical shit show and he is going to go in depth and wax lyrical about it. What have you got for us this week, mate? Mate, we are going to 1969. Dinner for two. 1969. 69. So it is 
December 1969. Okay. Three and a half months after Woodstock. Woodstock was held in New York. Yep. The Rolling Stones are on tour. I was wondering why we were listening to Rolling Stones almost exclusively all night. Yep, just putting you in the mood. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. You're familiar with the bands Grateful Dead and Jefferson Airplane? Yep. They wanted to do a Woodstock of the West. Because, right. yep. obviously, On Woodstock was in, yep. was in New York. And they go, what's the biggest band of the moment? And they go, the Brinsley Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go... Can we get the Beatles? Absolutely not. So what's the second biggest band? Rolling Stones. Get them. So they get in. So Brinsley Schwartz wasn't even brought up? No. Uh, un- un- unfortunately, uh, Brinsley Schwartz, I believe, in 1969, was nothing but a hilarious footnote of, uh, of music. Kippington Lodge, uh, un- they were called. Unlike today, when they are a fucking force. <laughs> so the Grateful Dead and Jefferson Airplane get in touch with the Stones... And it all uh, comes together because the Stones have been on this massive world tour in 1969 and their tickets have been really, really high. Yep. So they wanted to do... As high as, as them. High, as high as them. They wanted to do something to give back to uh, to their fans in America. And so they go, we'll do a free gig in San Francisco. This works out for the Grateful Dead, yep. Jefferson Airplane, because then the Woodstock of the West has a headliner, yada, yada. They're, the Stones are filming a documentary at the same time called Gimme Shelter. Okay, yep. Which, if you've seen Gimme Shelter, it's, uh, it's pretty full on. Like, right. it's a, and it's full on mostly because of the events that I'm about to, to unpack, but it was just supposed to be a tour diary of, of sorts. Right, okay. And, uh, so they've got a film crew that's following them throughout this tour, and it's a pivotal part of the decision making for the location of the free concert. Okay. So they get Michael Lang involved, who's the guy who originally planned and orchestrated Woodstock. So right. they get the same bloke. And they go, Makes sense. He's nailed the first one, we'll get him again. And they decide that Golden Gate Park in San Francisco is the way to go. Mm-hmm. So Rock Scully, who's the manager of the Grateful Dead, uh, who was a Bay Area local, he'd done heaps and heaps of free shows in there. He secures a concert permit for Golden Gate Park. One of the conditions, however, is that the concert couldn't be announced until 24 hours before showtime. Wow. Which is in all universes, a short lead. Oh, yeah. However, Mick Jagger, who famously gives no fucks about anything or anybody else, mm-hmm. uh, spills the news to the media about this, <laughs> Immediately. Aw- this awesome free gig that's going to be on at Golden Gate Park, and the permit is revoked. So they then then go, fuck, because they've, they've, they've put a date out. Yeah. They've said this is the... Uh, it's it, And it's on in oh. a week and a half. Right. After he says this. Okay. So the, so the gig, they've got a week and a half, they have no venue. So the organisers find a new option in Sears Point in Sonoma County, which has ample space, facilities, they've done gigs before, big festival gigs. Mm-hmm. The work crews have picked a small hilltop in which they can erect a four-foot-tall stage, which would have meant that performers would be performing 10 to 15 feet above the crowd so that they're in a safe safe position, yep. in a sightline perspective. It's, yep. it's good. That is OH&S. To a T. Yep. Yeah. Kisses fingers like a chef. Yeah. So that would have been, that would have been massive. Uh, so here is the scenario with, uh, with this. Sears Point owners 
start asking about what's happening with all these film crews and like the documentary, etc. Yeah. Get a whiff that there's a heap of money to be made here. Start hauling the Rolling Stones over the coals. And Jagger says, go fuck yourself. We're not giving you any money. Uh, and so Sears Point go, okay, good luck with your gig. So that's two venues down. <laughs> Enter Dick Carter. Yep. He's Tricky the, Dick. He is the owner of Altamont Speedway. Speedway! Be there! That's so good. Also, he's basically Gil from The Simpsons. <laughs> really needs this. <laughs> Daddy needs a new pair of everything. <laughs> So, mostly due to the fact that Altamont was a remote, hard-to-get-to, overgrown, run-down shithole with no bathrooms or medical facilities, <laughs> oh. Dick has said, please, please be my guest. Be my guest. <laughs> like fucking Lumiere. <laughs> it is a fucking disaster zone to yeah. hold a festival. In Dick's defence, though, he's also the only man in the known world who's never heard of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> also known as Angry Old Bastard Number Eight in every kid's flick, <laughs> just yelling at clouds. Here's, here's a quote from him: "Those stones were a bunch of snot-nosed little kids who didn't know what they were doing." Says Carter, now seventy-four. They were just having a ball and playing with the drugs and the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't stop to think that you have to do some real planning for something like this. They told me we'd have about 50,000 kids there, but I swear there must have been 500,000 by late afternoon. Fuck, said Carter, who had never heard of the Rockers until he offered them his track. We put in 1,000 portable toilets, 2,000 garbage cans, rented 16 helicopters, but all day long they just kept coming like ants over the hill. <laughs> <laughs> and then comes the kicker where you go, uh, you are not the guy that should be anywhere near this. Heck, you put together half a million Catholic priests in a field in the middle of nowhere like that and you'd have trouble too. If only Dick knew. <laughs> if only he knew. Holy shit. I'll, t I'll tell, I'll tell oh, you what. Oh, wow. If a guy called Dick puts 500,000 <laughs> 500, Catholic priests in a field, hide your kids. <laughs> hide your kids. Oh, fuck. No need to hide your wife though. No, no, I think it's just that, just that one portion of your family. <laughs> no. So. The track, uh, it was a pair of looping circles plunked in the middle of hilly, barren, windswept pastures beside a major freeway. It had plenty of space, but unlike the New York site for uh, the Woodstock original, yep. uh, <laughs> this, this site had zero character and zero facilities. <laughs> but coming on the heels of the Woodstock thing and Santana was going to play as well and they uh, had Cos Cosby, Stills and Nash and yeah. like the, it, the bill was good. Yeah. Um, amazing. Everyone's like, this is going to be sweet and it's in San Francisco, like hippie mecca. Yep. It's going to, and everyone, everyone's pretty vibed. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. Feeling great. So the hasty move results in numerous logistical problems, including a lack of facilities the move also creates a problem for the stage design because instead of being on top of a hill, the stage is now at the bottom of a slope. <laughs> Which means... That is fucking classic San Francisco. Isn't it? <laughs> Just fucking isn't it? We've run uh, out of hills, so instead take this ditch. 
<laughs> just take this steady incline. I hope you fucking don't mind walking up that every single fucking hour of the day. So the the stone stage manager explains the stage was one meter high, uh, and it was at the bottom of a hill. You probably could have put another stage below it, but no one had another stage, so we made do. It's just so fucking out of control, shitty. Yeah. So because the stage was so low, they had a bit of an issue because they were looking at it and going, if everyone gets pissed and just rolls down the hill, then they'll just take out the stage. And also, if you took a running jump from about five metres out, you'd just jump onto the stage. you just jump on the stage, yeah. Because it's, a, it's an amphitheatre and it's a really tiered hill. Yeah. So what do you do if you're the Rolling Stones and you need security? You don't call the cops. You instead call the Oakland chapter of the Hells Angels. What the fuck? Real jumps, really jumps the shark. So the Hells Angels were booked to provide security because the Rolling Booked? St- yeah. They were booked like a legitimate service? Like an, like. Hello, Hells Angels. <laughs> how, I, how may I direct your call? In this, in this. Oh, uh, yeah, just need to book some security. <laughs> what the fuck? Are you, are you kidding me right now? In the same way that you get an Uber, yeah. they book the Hells Angels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To speak to marketing, press one. <laughs> Speak to security, press two. For to fucking other... kneecap a bloke, press three. <laughs> to help make stuff go away, press three. <laughs> so the reason that the Stones went, let's go with the Hells Angels, are uh, because in a case of unbelievably hilarious mistaken identity, they'd used the Hells Angels in uh, quotation marks in London to provide security for them for a Hyde Park concert, which it turns out had no affiliation with the bikey gang and were just motorcycle memorabilia enthusiasts. <laughs> and so, so the Rolling Stones have rolled in with... Absolutely no fucking idea of what they've just booked, but they, they, they've gone and they're like, ah, oh, what pleasant fellows. <laughs> Let's get them again. They have rocked in with the fucking Oakland chapter of the Hells Angels and they have paid them $500 of beer to protect them. $500 in 1969 rig is $3,500 today. Oh, fuck. And the Hells Angels were to provide 30 people. So I'm just going to break that down for you. At roughly 18 kegs out of that amount of money, it works out to be about 70 fucking cups of beer ahead. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which they... That, that, that is... The only person reaching that is Keith Richards. <laughs> well... He's a big part of this story because oh, yes. the, the Hells Angels and their 70 schooners ahead, <laughs> they inhale the beers. Jesus. So they have a, they have a truck filled with ice that is just side of stage and the Hells Angels are told, sit on the stage and stop anyone from getting on the stage. Yeah. But you can drink as much beer as you want. <laughs> Really, really fast and loose. I give you a five star. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a. I give you a five. It's a yeah. great service that oh, has absolutely fuck. no downside. So, Altamont Speedway owner Dick Carter, Tricky Dick Speedway, has also hired hundreds of professional planes clothed, uh, plane clothed security guards, which is great. Apart from the fact that he told them only to protect his property and not to do anything else because he didn't want to pay for them to have weapons. So they had no guns, no mace, no bats. Oh, wow. Just 
just white pressed shirts and, and baseball and caps fists. Yeah. and their their own god given hands. Yep. They were known by the Hell's Angels as the Little White Button Brigade and immediately bullies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine Renter Cops versus fucking bikies? Oh, mate. Like that's fucked. It's 30 bikies. And yeah. there's hundreds of these security guards and there's 300,000 punters. Yeah. 30 Hell's Angels. Yeah. That's it. That's fucking incredible. So the scene is set. Enter always popular... People's favourite, Santana. Yes, Carlos. He, first, first... Eric. <laughs> Eric Santana. Eric Santana. We had a friend the other day who was Eric Santana. I said, I think you're thinking of Manchester United striker Eric Cantona. Uh, so it became pretty clear early on um, that the Hells Angels were picking and choosing their battles, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> because they threw out Santana's set... People were just running up onto the stage, just fucking running amok. And then, in the meantime, the Hells Angels beat the living snot out of three nudists. (laughs) Nudists? Yeah, three people got naked. Hells Angels were like, not in our festival, and beat the fucking crap out of them. While everybody watched and went, okay, it's a clothes-on day. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Nancy. Keep your pants on. Oh, shit. Those three dead kids just got nude. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, everyone's a little edgy because shit is a... Like, people are just... It's a real sort of... It's a real anarchy vibe. Real power keg sort of thing happening. The guys who are supposed to be policing the event are belted and just beat the crap <laughs> the out, out of people. Yeah. So the next band on stage are the Flying Burrito Brothers. <laughs> What? They're, they're a ripping... Sorry, is that, a, is that the actual name? It's the actual name. They are... it was a fucking Guzman and Gomez <laughs> the, competitor. The next act on stage was a taco truck, <laughs> and everyone cheered. <laughs> the Fly ha- Brito Brothers, airing his free fucking guacamole. <laughs> the Hells Angels... No cheering or we'll beat the shit out of you. <laughs> the Hells Angels naturally lost their shit over the Fly Burrito Brothers. <laughs> so that was the only time the crowd seemed to settle down to any degree, because... <laughs> Because it was free tacos. <laughs> it's not an actual Mexican restaurant. <laughs> but it's because America fucking loves country. And yeah. these guys were just good old-timey country classics. <laughs> Sorry, Flying Burrito Brothers. Brothers. They weren't a food truck. They were <laughs> a fucking country act. A down-home country band called the Flying Burrito Brothers. What the fuck? Yeah. They were followed by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Because Neil Young joined them for it. Yeah, yeah. This is where the crowd was starting to get a bit fucking rogue. (laughs) People had had a bunch of their drugs for the year at once (laughs) and were 11 out of 10 stoned. (laughs) Also, people had come in with a series of different substances and uh, some people were just off chops on amphetamines. I mean, this would have just been before... This is before, you know... Pushing it up your anus. This, totally. This, this is just walking in is, with, with, with it in your pocket yeah. sort of thing. I, I think it was probably encouraged, to be fair. Yeah. I, I, like, they, they the, went, this the, is the, a free love festival. Woodstock was pro-drugs. Yeah, right. Like, I think it's just a situation with this one where they went, yep. Okay, well, uh, who's going to stop you? The white, white Button Brigade. Okay, you guys just come in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You exactly. guys are fine. Yeah. So, 
during the Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young set, Stephen Stills was repeatedly stabbed in the leg What? by a stoned-as-fuck Hell's Angel during the set. What the fuck? So one of these Hell's Angels has literally greened out, crawled onto the stage, and just stabbed Stephen Stills. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. And that that's when... The, and the rest of the... Be- like... What the rest of the band, Crosby. like the professionals <laughs> they, they are, just kept on going. And they were dead set taking it. <laughs> Stills did not miss a note. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young are an incredibly docile band. Oh, yeah. They are not the sort of band that takes kindly to one of them getting fucking stabbed in the calf. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go with the whole aesthetic that they're rocking. <laughs> so they, It is not on brand. <laughs> so they wrapped up shortly afterwards with Stephen Stills still <laughs> profusely bleeding. <laughs> According to this report, he was stabbed multiple times in his calf and insisted on playing the outro. <laughs> I'm like, that is the mark of a fucking consummate professional. A, that is the a best. true pro. So next on stage... Jefferson Airplane. Yes. <laughs> One of the Hells Angels has obviously <laughs> stabbed him in the quad. Has obviously looked at this and gone, yeah, okay. Well, I saw that my mate stabbed a guy in a calf. Oh, no. You know who I hate? Marty Balin and his big dumb face gets on, punches the lead singer straight in the mouth. <laughs> What the fuck? While the rest, and this is a hell's angel. These fuck. these are two assaults yeah. by the security hired to protect them from the crowd. Yeah. And the only damage thus far is from them. <laughs> Punches him in the fucking mouth fuck. and knocks him out. Shit. So, the, so Jefferson Airplane are like, shrug face. Because <laughs> then they've started protesting and this hell's angel just turns around and gives them the look that says, who wants some? And they're like, looks like it's an instrumental set. Extended solo. Just harmonizing with no one. So eventually, Marty comes to himself and and plays another couple of songs and they go, okay. And that's about enough for us. The Grateful Dead, who are part of the organisers for this, have fucked right off. Right. They're like, nah, no way. They heard about Stephen Stills being stabbed in the calf and went, yeah, that seems... uh, Look, all credit to Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young, but we're not doing that. Yeah. We are not that professional. I love the fact how it's just like, look, we may be called the Grateful Dead, but we actually do not want to die at the hands of some fucking rogue Hells Angels. (laughs) So, but they really fuck everybody because them pulling out means that there is a two-hour gap in between Jefferson Airplane and the Rolling Stones. Yeah. During which time, if you have ever been to a gig... Everybody get naked. (laughs) You know what happens in between the bands. Everyone gets as loaded as possible. Oh, yeah. As fast as possible. So everyone takes more drugs. The Hells Sounds Angels, like a winning formula. The Hells Angels drink more piss. They manage in this time to somehow beat the crap out of a photographer who was taking photos of the band, and one of the Hells Angels is so drunk that he's like, what are you taking photos of me for? And this guy's like, no, 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 the, the band, I'm a photographer. He's like, give me that fucking camera. And the guy's like, nope, and, and runs away. The guy chases him down and beats him in the head with a pool cue. <laughs> what? The, what? 
Where did he get the ball cue from? So is, that, is that actually just a fucking standard issue weapon? Interesting that you should ask that, Rig. So here's what the Hells Angels rolled in with. They rolled in with no money, a truck full of beer, and 57 pool cues that they had fashioned into bats. Fuck. So they'd made, they basically had that what looked suspiciously like in the pictures, like the nightsticks that were unfortunately used in some of the most racist police beatings in yeah. history in the South. Yeah. That's what they looked like they were rocking. Oh my God. So they just went this bloke with, with nightsticks. Uh, and then they took his camera. That's fucked. He was like, I'm glad I, I lived. So, yeah. Good right. Go. So the Rolling Stones, they roll in via chopper. <laughs> the crowd are naturally... Loving it. ...pretty into this. Yeah. Apart from the fact that there's 300,000 people there and... There's nowhere to ma- land a helicopter? Uh that's not their biggest problem because they managed to uh, to land just outside the speedway and then go, all right, and we'll just come in. But there's always a rogue sector of society, and this entire gig was the rogue sector of society. Mick Jagger steps through the gates. Some punter punches him in the face. <laughs> he has literally taken two steps inside the gate, and he gets clocked. There is There is... Some there are some times when I think about the way that humans act, and I I'll never get over things of like when you hear when when people go to fucking concerts and they like peg bottles at the performers and stuff. I'm like, you paid for that fucking ticket. Yeah, what the fuck? Who, what the fuck are you doing? It's they're just vote, voting with their feet and fists and fucking bottles and yeah. fruit and shit. Well, anyway, so Mick Jagger's karmically punched in the face by a rogue fan uh, for being ostentatious and rocking up in a chopper, which I applaud that bloke for. Um, <laughs> Stay true to yourself, bang! bang. Just constructive <laughs> criticism. <laughs> Give me a feedback form. <laughs> we, what? <laughs> um, so the Stones get on stage. Yeah. And they are... Mick Jagger's been punched in the head. He's a little concerned about the direction that this gig is taking. Yeah. Especially because he also has heard about Stabby McStills. (laughs) (laughs) And and how his calf tendon is no longer part of his body. (laughs) So he he goes over, jumps on the mic and he's like, just be cool down the front there. Don't push around. That's how I imagine that Mick Jagger speaks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not your worst. Down so during the third song, everyone's favorite sympathy for the devil. Yep. A fight erupts in front of the crowd at the foot of the stage. And it's just all hell's angels. <laughs> it prompts the stones to pause their set while the angels restore order. After a lengthy pause and another appeal for calm, the band restart the song and continue their set with no incident until the start of Under My Thumb, when all fucking hell breaks loose. Pardon the pun. (laughs) Some of the Hells Angels get into a scuffle with a young African-American kid called Meredith Hunter, who Uh, is 18, and he attempts to get on stage with some other fans. One of the Hells Angels grabs Hunter's head, punches him, and chases him back into the crowd, After a minute's pause, Hunter returns to the stage where his girlfriend finds him, begs him not to do what he's about to do. He can't, he he doesn't listen to her, shrugs her off, pulls a gun. What? 
he pulls a fucking six-shooter out and aims it at Mick Jagger. What the fuck? <laughs> One of the Hell's Angels sees this. His name is Alan Passaro. Sees this, grabs a knife from his belt, lunges at this kid, and stabs him twice in the chest and kills him immediately. Fuck. So this Hell's Angel becomes Mick Jagger's bodyguard in the only actual piece of security that had happened that entire day. But instead of just pinning the kid down, goes Bear Grylls on him and stabs him in the chest. Fuck, man. So the, so, so, oh the, my God. so the So the crowd are like, uh, that's a real downer. So you're telling me that fucking one... I mean, that that's just a... Forgive me for, for puncturing the somber tone, but man, that is a fucking great redemption tale for that fucking Hell's Angel. It's, going for, going from stabbing stills unprovoked <laughs> to stopping an assassination it, attempt. It, My man! It, it has, it has to be the same. It has to be the same bloke. It's, it's, he, he's Kevin Costner in, in the remake. <laughs> Watch me practice my stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, this, this kid is, Fuck. this kid is stabbed. Um, and. Basically, the from there, a bunch of the other Hell's Angels are baying for blood and are, and are like, all right, no one else fuck with us. So the crowd sort of just simmers right the fuck down uh, after this after this kid has has died and is yeah. like, okay, we're all just gonna have a we're just gonna have a good a good time now. Are you fucking telling me that someone's just died and they keep playing? Yes. The what? Rolling Stones, after a kid has tried to shoot Mick Jagger, been stabbed in the chest, finish the set and play another seven songs. Fuck! They play seven more songs. What, with a fucking dead body on the stage? Well, the body's not on the stage. It's like in a crowd. It's like in Fuck. just in front of the crowd, though. Yeah, right. Mick Jagger swears to this day that he didn't know that someone had been murdered during the set. Yeah. I feel like if you're a singer and someone aims a gun at you, you, you watch that guy. Yeah. Like, you fucking, you're like, okay, that's a bloke with a gun that just had a train on me. So the gig continues. The, uh, <laughs> the stats from that day, 300,000 people. Fuck. That kid dies. Yep. When people are leaving, uh, a, a guy wigs out on LSD, goes for a swim, drowns. Dies. Dies. Yep. Then two more people who are trying to jump the freeway that's next to uh, Altamont Speedway Jesus. get hit by a runaway car, and they die. So four, four people die. Fuck. But, Rig, but four babies were born. <laughs> True. What? Four, four. Oh, sorry. <laughs> at this, at this gig. What? Four people died, and that is no laughing matter. No. But four you... babies were born. <laughs> Are you like? It's a circle of love. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's people fucking... gave birth. Yeah. Yes. Oh, here's the thing. At one point, this woman is in fucking labour. And they, it's during the Jefferson Airplane set, and so her husband runs up to the band, tells them to announce, "Can some? Does anyone have any any cloths or diapers, etc.?" 
And so announces that over the mic, and the band are pelted with diapers and cloths and and shit. It's like the crowd just fucking provide. Provide. So <laughs> yeah. the, 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 it takes the, a village. It does take it a takes village. A murderous crowd. <laughs> so yeah. So here's a couple of a uh, couple of where are they nows? Pissarro, the stabber. Yeah. He gets arrested and tried for murder in the summer of 71. Yeah. Turns out the kid was on methamphetamine Yeah, when he dies. Pissarro uh, is ruled to be in self-defense. He whoops with a, you, after the verdict is handed down in Alameda County courtroom, but probably gets what's coming to him, and he drowns in 1985. <laughs> Final destination. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so, Dick Carter. Yeah, tricky dick. This gig Speedway. This gig bankrupts him. He loses the Speedway. Fuck. <laughs> he is to this day. But like where are the like where their tickets be, do the, where where do the where does the revenue from the tickets go? He took a flat fee because he was uh Oh, cuz he didn't know who the stars were. And he didn't oh, know how many God. and they told him only 50,000 people were going to come. So 300,000 came, trashed his speedway, and to this day he is the most vehement opposer of all things Rolling Stones. <laughs> he restores classic cars in a town called Modesto, which is amazing that he lives in a town called Modesto. <laughs> <laughs> But also, Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. You, you've heard that story. Is it not the most batshit murderous hellscape of a gig <laughs> yeah. you could possibly imagine? Yeah, absolutely. Bar none. That's fucked. Rolling Stones member Keith Richards has this to say. He called it, Basically well handled, but lots of people were tired and a few tempers got frayed. On the whole, pretty good gig. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, Keith? Oh, my God. Keith, you drug-addled fuck. Oh, shit. He doesn't remember the gig. He doesn't know where he, he, doesn't he, doesn't know who he is. He doesn't... he doesn't know what the fuck just happened. He's confused it with another fucking gig. He's got, he's, he's got no idea. Hey, you remember at the Speedway where that young uh, African-American kid got stabbed and four babies were born and two people got hit by cars? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Peru was a real good time. Is, that, that Cocaine's was, a hell of a drug. That, that was a Peru, Keith. <laughs> so then we have the Hells Angels, apart from Pissarro. Yeah. They did not enjoy the way they were portrayed in the Gimme Shelter Film. Yeah. 2008. A number of the Hells Angels conspire to murder Mick Jagger. What the fuck? <laughs> In retribution for the Rolling Stones' lack of support following the concert and for the negative portrayal of the Hells Angels in the film. <laughs> what? So it's a fucking bikey fatwa. Yep. That's they, fucked. They, they have his picture on a dartboard and they are going to town. And they're just throwing knives at it. <laughs> Watch me practice my step. Right next to their Stills dartboard. <laughs> okay, enough of Stephen Stills. Let's go we can with let this, We can let, let this rest for a while. <laughs> so, they... <laughs> he has a residence in Long Island, New York. These guys rent a boat. They just ro- <laughs> what fucking road to England? They, they rode along <laughs> the Long Island... <laughs> Unfortunately, a storm crops up, the boat sinks, 
they have to swim back to the shore and abandon the plan. <laughs> Where were they going to murder him? On Long Island in his home. Oh, he has a home there. Yeah. Right. They were just going to row over there and fuck him up some. <laughs> Fortunately, the boat sinks and they're like, all right, well, we're God-fearing folks, so enjoy your life, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> they gave up, gave up really easily. Yeah. yeah. That's they, fucked. One, everyone gets one. Yeah. Everyone gets one, Mick. Yeah. Everyone gets one. And here is a little fun fact. One of the camera operators on the Guinea Shelter documentary was none other than a young George Lucas. Really? Yeah. None of his shit made the cut because he got really high and unfortunately <laughs> only got through 30 feet of film before he jammed the camera and they're like, okay, George, you can just... You just go home. It's all right. <laughs> really? Is that... A- yeah, legit. <laughs> Fuck me. Legit. So that is the story, my friend, of the Ultimate Speedway free concert. Wow. The Woodstock of the West. Yep. Fuck me, that is insane. Pretty hectic when you think about it and go, yeah, uh, you, you, you realize that a festival has a lot that goes into it and most of that is just logistics. Yeah. That it's just, in fact, I would say that it's just logistics. You had, you, you, you had me with my fucking jaw on the ground when you said thousand toilets. Oh, I was yeah. just like, fuck, really? Yep. That's insane. A thousand toilets for 300,000 people is not Fuck. enough toilets. It's just not enough they toilets. They should have just gone the way of that other thing you told me about one time and oh. just start digging their own shit ditches. The Bulls Island Festival. Yeah. yeah. If you want to, if you want to look up something which just went fucking haywire. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the Bulls Island Fest. So that is all we have time for. Uh, but rig. We got we got some some special shit coming up in December, don't we? We sure do, buddy. If you guys want to support us in our our dungeon uh, that we are transporting into another slightly nicer dungeon, it's, uh, it's you, a it's a platinum dungeon. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. It's it's the platinum lounge of dungeons. And so, <laughs> if you want to come and support us, please come and see us at the Oxford Arts Factory in Sydney. We're doing some live uh, recordings there. We're doing shit show live. So come in, have a beer, have a laugh. It's going to be great. It's going to be on Sunday, December third, and Sunday, December tenth. Make sure. You buy your tickets online. We're putting up links on our Facebook, yep. uh, both personal and our. Uh, don't become our friends if we don't know you. But uh, but go to, uh, to shit show. Go, go to our shit show Facebook. We're going to be putting up links. Tickets are only fifteen bucks. We have it on good authority from our agent that uh, there are only fifty five tickets per show. Yes, and they are pretty close to gone. So yeah, I would I would suggest that if you want to if you want to jump in, I guess the other thing to uh, to announce is that there will be a support act. Uh, his name is Craig Milkholms, and he is a funny fucker. Yes. Uh, we have seen his showreel, and we're big fans of that one video, and we're sure that he will be great. Yep, so it's going to be some great nights coming up, so make sure. Seven to... till nine. Seven till nine. Seven till nine on Sunday, the December 3rd, and Sunday, December 10th. And make sure to grab your tickets online through the links that are provided through our various channels. Speaking of various channels, follow us on Twitter at ShitshowCast. Find us on Facebook, ShitShow, or you can subscribe to our podcast through the iTunes app, or you can go to our dedicated website, shitshow.com.au. Love it. I think that's all we've got time for. I think it is. Thanks, guys. See ya.
Hey, 